Hey y'all, welcome to This One's On Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Nia. Join me weekly as I discuss different topics from friendships and feelings to love and healing. I create this space to connect with you all along the journey. Let's get straight to it. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a very special guest. He means a lot to me and I'm excited about the episode. And as you can tell by the title, we're going to be talking about representation and education and why it matters when it comes to black and brown people. So, Aji, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Aji Payton. I'm current uh, DC educator. I've been in the DMV for about 10 years, and so I'm excited to be here with Nia as she launches off her podcast. What I want to hear on first is the importance to you as a black educator what it means to be representation in education. Um, I think it's really important that kids not only see people that look like them in front of them, but also to know that they care. Um, You can, anybody can teach, but having this care and connection for kids really drives education. It um, builds their self-esteem. It makes them more aware. And I think that, that's kind of the importance of like how I vision my classroom. It's mm-hmm. not just teacher to student. It's relationship to relationship, regardless of who is ever in that classroom setting. And so when I think representation um, in the area, this um, I think I'm fortunate enough to be in an area where it's a lot of black educators, male and women. My mm-hmm. mentor being a black female educator who I've learned a lot from um, and then Black females being an intricate part of my life, whether it's my mom, my sister, or other black women that I come in contact with. On the unfortunate side, um, I just read a post, and I've seen it for a while now, is that only 2% of black male are teachers, or it says less than 2% um, are teachers are black males in the U.S. So we don't have a lot of representation of black males where there might, I don't know this is the percentage of black females mm-hmm. there are, but that's a point where, you know, like, if we're expecting kids to have this diverse palette, if the same people are teaching them the same thing, then yeah. they're not seeing a different perspective. For um, I know you can't necessarily speak for the child, but do you feel like as a young black child, do you feel like they feel a little more at home or connected to you when they see like, oh, my teacher is a black woman or my teacher is a black man? Do you feel like they feel like a little bit more connection or a little bit more they look like me, so maybe they can understand me better. I think the realest thing is that most kids are going to see, like, first, before they look at your skin color, they're going to see if you care about them. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to make the connection between the skin color because you could be black and kids don't feel that connection to you. Yeah. Um, that's happened, you know, and and it's sad, but or it just happens, you know, like... Um, and I think if I had to speak from a kid's perspective, if you asked me earlier, it's really about who is going to take me to the next level. Mm-hmm. Like you're seeing me at my worst. You're seeing me at my best. You're seeing me um, good days, bad days. But it's about the level of affection that you give me, regardless of what state I'm in. And I think that that is the most important part yeah. um, besides the skin tone. I do think there is a <clears throat> there is an extra oomph. Yeah. That goes along with um, teachers that are one that are woke, um, that have something, you know, really going for themselves and who can teach kids who are relatable. Being yeah. relatable, I think, is the most important part to being a teacher. So, 
Yeah, I never really um, thought about it that way. And I feel like what you said about the first thing is seeing if somebody cares. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as a child, they look for somebody to care. And I feel like you're still learning and your mind is still expanding. And so you remember people who do care. And like you said, take you to the next level because those people make an impact. So I feel like they make like an imprint on your journey throughout life. So I asked you the importance of representation. Mm -hmm. And then the other question was, what does it mean to you specifically to be a black educator? And you can share a little bit about your journey and how you fell into the career field and just what it means to you being a black educator. Um, Everything looks a little different now. Um, I think until this moment, even in talking to you, um, I've had a lot of realizations over this last couple, like this last year um, period. But like even before here, I don't think I understood the importance of being a black male teacher. Um, I know that I existed in the career and I always thrived in what I did. But I think the impact comes in so many different ways that you can lose sight. I don't want to say you can lose sight of it, but you're so involved in like your practice, you don't really see the impact full on until you get a message from like someone at the school or someone from us, you know, externally or a kid really wanting to like, like when they light up, when they see you, I think that is when impact shows. And that's how you realize like how important you are to the field. And so, um, what was your question again? <laughs> no, I feel like you. I feel like you answered it. You was talking. To, I asked you, "What does it mean to you?" And um, you basically was saying how I think, like any other career field, when you're doing it for a while, you just get in the groove of, "Okay, I'm in it. I'm just trying to, you know, be the best person that I can be in this mm-hmm. career setting." I feel like you do lose it. So when you have those sparks of like, you see a kid, oh, Mr. Payton, like you remember, like, oh wow, I am. Like important. So my question to you is, um, what do you feel like what kind of teachers have been important to you that you remember that kind of give you the life skills to um, be afloat today? Um, I don't really remember a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I don't remember a lot. I remember this one teacher. um, Her name was Mrs. Traw. She was um, she was one of my elementary teachers. I remember her. Um, what do you remember most about her? Um, it's okay, any little thing. Because I think that even I, whatever it is, it, it'll, you know. I just remember her. I don't know why she stands out, but her name stands out. And then it was another teacher. Her name was Miss Anderson. And I felt like she was relatable and like she cared. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel like um, I was always expressive as a child. So anybody who... I, I like like language arts, and you know that's why I'm a writer today. But... <laughs> I'm a writer, book writer, <laughs> author. But I like classes that allow me to be my creative self. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like science and history and stuff <laughs> like that. And so I remember classes where I was able to like let my mind flow, and I appreciated teachers who were accepting of of like my openness and. Just let me be free flowing. I'm not like the biggest fan of school, but I, I appreciate when teachers allow their students to okay, well what do you what do you think when you hear this? Or allow students to expand on something instead of this is how it is, this is how it goes, that's it, that's all. When you asked me um to do this, I was like, Ooh, it's so many different things <laughs> I could talk about. But I looked up three definitions um 
and uh, like out of the topic or the title more so. So um, rep- I looked at the representation and it says a theme, especially um, a picture or model that depicts a likeness or reproduction of someone or something. Um, the word matter is like be of importance or have significance. And then education is the theory and practice of teaching. So like embodying all three of those things into like your topic, like you're not. And when we look at influence, we're not going to just follow anybody mm-hmm. unless you're gullible, you yeah. know, like, um, and I think that that is something that I kind of take into my practice. I don't do the things that I do. I want, I don't do it for clout because yeah. I think that that's important, but I also do it. Um, somebody told me yesterday that I challenge them and all their, the time, <laughs> all the time, <laughs> but it's <laughs> better. Like. <laughs> I love challenging people. Um, I think I get a rise out of it, and I don't you know don't. why, but I think it's good. Like, yeah. um, not only being able to challenge uh, kids and adults, I think it's so dynamic because I can put myself in so many different scenarios and life spaces, and I think that that has really—that's what I want for my kids. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it be kids that I teach or kids that are in my family or someone that has extended family, mm-hmm. I want them to be able to know that. My skin is not going to um, close any doors for me. Exactly. I like I have the tools to walk in here and present and be just as competitive as anybody else, and that means a lot in this world and day and age when you like have to present a resume to get a job. But outside of that resume, like you got an interview, yeah, and that's being liked. Now, not just being liked for the sense of personality wise, that's being liked for the your mind and how quick you think and. Um, how well you adapt and can you relate to the culture of that particular place and setting and job that you're going to be at and those skills start very young so mm-hmm. um, having people in front of you who are who can put on like it's um, we always talk about code switching um, and <laughs> why you laughed why you laughed when I said it code switching is very real why is it real though because um, I think we're conditioned to, well, if I sound more professional or if I like come off this way, then they'll like me better. I feel like you have to stay true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not, absolutely nothing wrong staying true to yourself. And I think people feel like they have to put on this persona to make it. And you don't. Right. You just have to be real. You have to be professional. And you have to just be authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, if there's, this, there's this whole big scope. And I know we're going a little bit off topic, but... Like going to HBCUs versus not going to HBCUs. And I was a person who did not go to HBCUs for undergrad and now for my master's. Um, <laughs> now that it's done, done. Um, and so there is a culture aspect that I feel like that I do miss out on. Mm-hmm. Because people that I do know who went to HBCUs, yes, I have friends that I have from college, but friends that with the HBCU undergrad or connected to undergrad, they seem to have a deeper connection. And I think that that is built in that college capacity. Mm-hmm. Like you can build friends at PWIs, but there's still the segregation part to the yeah. school where you have something called Black Wednesday or mm-hmm. something like something that sets us apart, which is not, you know, we don't care because we are here to get our own college experience. And then of course we have to be in class with these people um, sorry, I'm saying it like that, but everybody's in class together. Yeah. But there's a different type of relationship that happens with people who go to HBCUs and go to PWIs. And but I'm fortunate enough, I met 
most of my really good friends from college, I still talk to them to this day, regardless of what setting I was at a PWI or HBCU, because I was I had the tools to feel equipped to mm-hmm. garnish those relationships. So Okay. So what do you feel are the struggles that come with teaching virtually? And again, like okay. what keeps you going hard every day and like bringing that enthusiasm even when it's virtual? Being in the classroom, I was telling somebody this, and I forget who I was telling, like my apartment is only 600 some feet, mm-hmm. right? And being in the classroom is probably like three or four times. Mm-hmm. I don't know the square feet of each classroom that I've been in, but it's bigger than my apartment. Mm-hmm. And I circulate, like that's a part of being an effective teacher, circulating in this work called aggressive monitoring where you're watching kids to figure out what kind of work ethics they're performing. Mm-hmm. Well, in my apartment, I'm confined to my seat. So it's not as walking around as much. I miss walking around. I'm a busy person mm-hmm. and I'm always on my feet. I'm always thinking. I'm always being goofy or I'm always doing some type of act or gesture. Mm-hmm. I'm, that part of me is kind of blinded in mm-hmm. virtual learning. And so I had to repurpose myself and refocus myself because we've been at this since March of last year. And at the first couple of weeks of my last school, we didn't have to teach. We, didn't, we waited a month to teach. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of different. Like I sat here and made like what is called wellness calls, which was what everybody did during the first beginning of the pandemic. Um, and that was kind of rough because yeah. we couldn't have that, that in-person physical connection that we normally have with kids that some kids need. Um, and so it was kind of hard at rough. I mean, sorry, hard at first um, because kids really needed that. Like that was a part of the structure. Mm-hmm. Getting out the house, waking up, getting out the house, going to school, interacting with my friends or getting outside of my home life enough to come back to whatever home life that I did have. And so I think that I think about kids like 24 seven, whether it's, you know, I'm doing something or they're doing something. I had a very thought like thought provoking conversation with somebody else who talked about the pandemic mm-hmm. and um, they were talking about being socially responsible because there are people that are still living their best lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and that's okay, you know, and he was really upset because he felt like people weren't being socially responsible. That's kind of why we're still in the pandemic. And I had to break it down to him by saying, like, you have your 40 resources that everybody else may not have. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about that, like, People want to get away or get out, like, or do stuff. Like, they have been, you know, stuck in their house and dealing with different type of things that they normally wouldn't deal with, which is another part of your psyche or another part of your mental state that you have to deal with. So, um, virtually, I try to make those connections, um, those cross connections between the classroom will be in person and virtually, but the resources are limited, yeah. granted, in a virtual world versus being in the real world. Yeah. So you're currently a teacher um, and you can tell them about how long you've been teaching. But I know you were talking about you might want to change gears. Do Mm -hmm. you feel like um, you will um, solely like remain in education, just level up? Or do you see yourself taking it outside of like school settings and doing like something else? I don't know. I'm still figuring that out. And I think that it's an ongoing journey. I really feel like now I want to do something that is worth doing. 
And not to say that what I haven't been doing has been worth doing. I want to see, I want to evoke change. Mm-hmm. And that comes in so many different ways. And um, and it doesn't happen overnight. You know, so I really don't know. I know I want to do some type of consulting. I know I want to do some type of like revamping of schools. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm looking for like, I, mean, I guess I'm looking for one, a network opportunity, because I think that that is going to be most important when we think about uh, career trajectory, but also a pa- like a further passion. Like mm-hmm. I'm already kind of in my passion, but I want to be able to be effective how I am in the classroom and in the other position. So it's a little scary mm-hmm. because I know what I know so far and I've learned and like I would have to repurpose myself to learn something new. So that's the scary part, but I'm actually just kind of ready for that because you, you know, you have teachers that teach forever. And yeah. like that is. It's not giving that for you. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and it's no shade. Like yeah. it really, it's really not. It's really not no shade. And I appreciate them yeah. going decades because yeah. it's hard on the body. Like mm-hmm. physically, like um, I always say I don't do no manual labor. I had a, a conversation with Tito the other day. He was like, you don't do no manual labor. Everything I do is manual. <laughs> and that's on period. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but I appreciate teachers that have been teaching for um, generations and decades because they have been the main influence and mm. they should be paid the big bucks. Them the ones that the people go back to the school and they still there. <laughs> they they're is still there. Still pushing. Um, but you know, I don't know. I don't know what's next. I'm looking into leadership opportunities. I'm gonna see what the year has for me. Um, God will show me. He will show me. So I'm just waiting. Okay. On a lighter note. Pre-pandemic, or, <laughs> or even, what is it given pre-pandemic? <laughs> even now, um, so when you're not working or you're not confined to you know work work everyday life, what do you like to do to unwind? And <laughs> also, what do you recommend? Or what would you suggest other teachers do to really just take the load off and just decompress? What are some of the things that you do and something, even if it's newfound things that you feel like will be helpful for other teachers? So they can be like, oh, wow, I didn't even think of that. But yeah. Um, My main source of relief or therapy is definitely music. So I listen to music uh, probably if there's 24 hours in a day. I probably listen to music like 22, 23 hours a day Um, unless I'm doing something else. But that's first. Um, I think outside of music, um, I was just going to talk about this early, like later on, just therapy. Like our community needs therapy more than anything. And therapy comes in many forms. I'm not saying that you have to see a therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just saying that you get help and some type of relief when life, when you feel like life is giving you, you know, it's, you know, it's giving you a shit to handle. Like, you know, like that is people don't think about things like that, but we work and work and work and work and work and work and like you look up and boom now I'm 33 (laughs) and it's like okay what have I done at 33 for myself yeah um and we work so much for other people and employers um this new like this new wave of black owned businesses is so dynamic like it's one of the biggest initiatives I would call it like in a long time because We've always had the mind capacity to do um, the things that need to be done. We've invented almost everything in the United Indeed. States, so there was no we're like there was nothing holding us back. But now 
with this free time and free space, a lot of people are saying, I don't want to work for anybody. I want to work for myself. And outside of that, like what I want to say is like that self-care or that initiative, people need to be keep like keep that same type of energy going. Like invest in yourself. Do what makes you happy. And a lot of people sometimes don't know what that's like mm-hmm. because they're either living in the shadow of someone else or they haven't sorted out their life plans, which that's an evolving thing. But yeah. do what makes you happy in the moment. So moving into 2021, do you have a vision for education? And it can be your own personal vision for your personal self or it can just be this is my vision for education, either or. This word equitable always gets thrown around like that everything is supposed to be equal for all kids and it just doesn't happen. Like there's so much disparity, even that exists in D.C., um, and I just want there to be a close gap on what we decide to call equity. Mm-hmm. Like our kids, um, and I'm saying brown or black kids, kids that look like me, they're just not afforded the same opportunities. And that's not fair. Like in a generation where we're supposed to be so inclusive and supposed to be so progressive and so woke, some of the same systematic issues are still occurring. So how do we get to that place of equity when we have not debted the things that have um, happened in the past and still are happening. So with that being said, with your vision, how does it pertain to that? Like you taking that and not feeling like it's fair. What do you do to implement change or what is your vision for that to move forward and gain that quality? Um, Allocation of resources. Like everything, if if we're budgeting and putting funds to um, schools and um, neighborhoods, it should all, everybody should get the same amount. Like, there's no reason why, and that's I mean, this is all part of urban planning. But like, why kids in Ward One are not, you know, more privileged than the kids in Ward Eight? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can we keep that level? Like, my vision for education is that if a three year old is entering school at the same time, that every three year old is getting the same quality of education. Because yeah. then there's if there are then. There's no disparity and everybody is getting the same experience. So then the, if the if their whole education career from third to 12th grade, sorry, my bad, let me retract, mm-hmm. from pre-K three to 12th grade is the same, then there's other factors to consider, mm-hmm. which, you know, and, we, and of course we know that there are, but there's still a, um, I feel like there's still in um, a disconnect on resources. And so how can you expect me to have the same level of knowledge if I'm not exposed. And for me, all kids should be exposed to everything that everybody else has. Definitely. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this as a wrap-up question. If you could leave people with one message, what would it be? And it can be about anything. It doesn't have to pertain to education or a specific topic. Just something that you will want to leave behind to invoke some type of feeling, whether that's change, inspiration, love, whatever. I want to leave people with um, hope and hope and purpose. Hope because even though um, the days get dark, there's still some light at the end of that. And you have to dig deep inside. You've got to find the hope that you can get up out of that situation. Purpose, uh, I would say um, contribution. Me and one of my um, good friends, uh, she's a doctor. Her name is Dr. Melanie Conyers. But we talked about being contributors of society. 
Mm-hmm. Like you should raise your child um, or any child that you come in contact with, you should leave them with some type of like, how are you going to contribute to society? Because if you're not contributing, what is your purpose? Mm-hmm. Like you have to, and that looks, that's a spectrum of things, mm-hmm. you know? And like, that's what the digital age and was, that's what, that's why the age that we live in now there, we can do an array of things. You don't have to be confined to anything, but you need to know your purpose and you need to know how you contribute. And you also have to be ingrained in those skills and be taught those skills. Like your contribution to the world is, you know, so. Okay. Um, as you were talking about purpose and hope. Oh, <laughs> why, 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 why? Because of purpose, because of what? No, I mean, my name doesn't mean purpose. <laughs> but as you were talking about purpose and hope, I just reverted back to the beginning of the episode. And you was talking about how music is very influential for you. So, okay, this is really my last question. <laughs> um, give us a song for the week that you just will turn on and you're like, yeah, this is the one. I'm feeling good. This is the song. Like a soundtrack for the week. Like, what song? Oh Ain't going to be any genre. We know how you get down. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm actually going to go. Oh, no. That's such a hard question. Um, uh, like, you put it on, it's, it's the vibe. Like, okay. <sighs> okay. I know different music goes with different moods. Yes. But so that's um, a, a lot to ask you to pick a song for a week. Especially when I told you I listened to like 500 songs in the last two weeks. Um, there's a song called Introspection by Yumi. Umi? Oh, yes. I, see, I see her name wrong. Oh my God. What is it? It's, well, it's Umi. It's Umi. So, yes. yes um, it's just a really, really, really good song. Like, I don't know. It that song speaks to me. The first time I heard the beat is very just yes. mellow and like um, dope. But like outside of that, like the song just really it's like such clarity in the song, such like free flowing feels and like. So I would definitely say like introspection by Umi. Umi. Umi introspection. That would be my song of the week. Um, I don't know. That that's a really good cross section song. I feel like so. Okay. You know. Well, I want to say thank you for taking the time out. This is all new to me, and I just wanted every episode to mean something. And I was thinking, and I'm like, okay, representation in education. My cousin is an educator, and he's a whole vibe. (laughs) And I just want to reach out to you. Like, you were the first person that came to mind, so I really appreciate you taking the time out to do this. Uh, I just want to say... Whatever you do, you're going to be amazing. Thank you for, like, having me. This is, of course, a good time. And I appreciate you. Okay. I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye.